morning. Uh, today's uh, New Testament reading is from Acts, uh, chapter 16, verses 35 through 40. Hear God's word. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported those words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you uh, haven't left us to um, stumble around trying to figure out who you are and, uh, and who we are in light of that. But you uh, have uh, spoken to us in your word. Uh, as we sang about, you have uh, entered our world in Jesus uh, and, um, and allowed us to, to see you face to face in him. Uh, I pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, your message. Uh, and that you would that you would do that in in spite of whatever selfishness or sinfulness is in me, uh, that you would just speak through that in spite of it. We pray Jesus in your name, Amen. Uh, so, Mark, thank you for uh, that introduction. I, I had forgotten about our racquetball games. Where did Mark go? Oh, there you are. Uh, I had forgotten about our our racquetball uh, at Towson. Um, uh, my wife and I, as Mark said, uh, and our girls uh, spent about six years uh, in England. And when we moved back, uh, we moved back not too far from here, just around the corner uh, behind Loyola. We lived for about three years over there. Uh, so it's good to be back in our neighborhood. Uh, this building in particular uh, was very important to me. My, the loop that I used to run took me up and down Winehurst, and this was the top of the last hill before it was downhill back to my house. So uh, it's nice to, be, nice to be back here. Um, I, uh, as Mark said, I'm one of the pastors at Chapelgate. I work with our uh, young adults uh, out in Marriottsville. Um, and one of the cool things that our young adults uh, have done is we've, we've started a, a soccer team that plays uh, in the Howard County Rec League. Um, and uh, it's, it's a, a, a co-ed league. We're in, we have people that, that know how to play really well. We have some people who've never played soccer before. We're like in the very bottom division of that league. Um, but uh, as Mark knows, I'm very competitive, and so some of us still take it quite seriously. Uh, and there always seems to be some frustration that boils over surrounding the rules. Uh, the referees never seem, there never seems to be consistency about what constitutes a legal slide tackle. Um, there, there always seems to be confusion about what is or is not offsides. And, uh, and very often we have to uh, control ourselves, shall we say, restrain ourselves a bit. Uh, now, whether you play soccer or understand the offsides rule or not, uh, I'm sure you, you know that feeling of feeling like your rights have been violated, of wanting to make sure 
that, uh, that when something happens that's not right to you, that you stand up for, for your rights. Um, h- how often have you honked at somebody who infringed on your right to be in the lane you were in and not just to let them know someone was there, right? Um, how often do we think, I don't deserve to have somebody talk to me that way. I've had this much schooling. Don't they know what I know? I don't deserve to have them talk to me that way. Whatever rights we have, whether the government puts laws in place to protect them or there's just sort of the rules of, of common social decency, uh, when somebody breaks or threatens our rights instinctively, we want to assert our rights to make sure that we aren't treated unfairly or harmed in some way. Uh, the passage this morning from Acts uh, shows us a man, Paul, uh, who seems to have a bit of an ambivalent relationship to his rights. Sometimes he uh, asserts his rights, but other times he just kind of lets them go. And, uh, and what we'll find is that Jesus invites us to lay down our rights and find life in him. And then at the same time to take up our rights again in service to his kingdom. So the story begins with Paul in the morning uh, after he and Silas have been miraculously let out of prison in Philippi. Now, a lot has gone on leading up to this point. So uh, to fill in some of the backstory, um, Paul was uh, originally one of the chief persecutors of the church. He was tracking down people who followed Jesus to kill them. Uh, but God meets him in a miraculous way and transforms his life. And after a number of years, Paul begins to travel around the world, telling other people about Jesus, starting new churches. And he's in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. And he has a vision of a man from Macedonia, which is in Greece, saying, come over to us. And he understands that God is calling him there. And so he goes to Philippi, one of the leading cities in Macedonia. And he begins a church that meets in Lydia's home. Lydia was a prominent businesswoman in the city. And uh, things are going well, but then uh, there's, there's an incident, which we'll talk about in a bit. Paul casts out a demon from a slave girl, and it stirs up a big to-do in the city. He ends up getting arrested, beaten, and thrown in prison. And in the middle of the night while he's in prison, there's an earthquake, and the doors open. But instead of leaving, he stays in the prison, and the prison guard ends up becoming a follower of Jesus, and Paul spends the night uh, with him and his family. And, uh, and this is where our story picks up the next morning. It says, in the morning, the magistrates of the city send the police to the jailer to release Paul and Silas. Uh, I don't know if that strikes you as odd, but like, if I had been in prison especially wrongly imprisoned, and the doors opened, um, I'd want to get out. Uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson is, is being released from prison in, in October. He's probably not going to hang around at the prison after he gets out of there. Um, and in fact, in other places in Acts, that's what happens when somebody gets let out of prison. In Acts 12, Peter is released from prison by an angel in the middle of the night, and immediately he leaves goes and, uh, and hides out with the church before going into hiding. Uh, so why didn't Paul and Silas leave immediately? Why did they stick around? Uh, even after they, they had uh, baptized the jailer, why did they stay 
till the next morning. And I think here we have the first clue as to, as to how Paul views his rights and, and why he lays them down. Uh, because in Acts 12, when Peter runs away from the jail as soon as he's left out or, or let out, uh, what happens to the jailers? You don't have to know the story to take a guess as to what happens to the jailers, right? They get in big trouble. In fact, they're, they're killed. They're put to death because they let a prisoner escape. Um, Paul could have left. He was wrongfully imprisoned. Uh, as we'll see in a minute, uh, actually we read it, that he's a Roman citizen. He could have exerted his rights. Um, but he sticks around until the morning so that it's clear that the jailer didn't fail in his job. He laid down his right to freedom for the sake of the jailer. And so the message comes to the jailer, uh, who's still alive, uh, in the morning to let them go. No, no explanation, just set them free. Um, now, that in itself seems kind of arbitrary, but the whole reason they were in prison, as I said, is because Paul had cast out a demon from a slave girl, and the owners were upset because the slave girl allowed, the demon allowed the slave girl to tell the future, and they made a lot of money off their slave. So they were upset, and they came and they accused Paul and Silas. And the accusation they made was, these men are Jews who are advocating unlawful customs for us Romans. Now that accusation was more than just about racial or religious distinctions. Because under Roman law, a Roman had certain rights that a non-Roman did not have. And so when that accusation is made against Paul and Silas, uh, the magistrates just assume that it's accurate, that these guys are not Romans, they're just sort of traveling Jewish teachers. And that means that they could be beaten without cause, that they could be thrown into prison and held for a certain amount of time without charge, simply because they were non-Romans. And so that's what happens. They beat them, they throw them in prison, and they could then be dismissed without, you know, a moment's thought because they didn't matter. They, were, they weren't Romans. They had no rights. Uh, now, of course, we know from this story that Paul and Silas actually were Roman citizens, but Paul doesn't immediately exercise his rights. Why doesn't he defend himself from the beating? Why doesn't he get himself out of jail right away. Actually, at other times in his life, he does just that. But this time he doesn't. Why? Why isn't he obsessed with defending his rights? Well, Paul certainly had a model in Jesus, the one he had met on the road to Emmaus, the one who had in, uh, transformed his life. Uh, in Jesus, he had a model of one who did not cling to his rights. When Jesus was about to be arrested, his disciples pulled out a sword and said, hey, we'll fight for you. Jesus said, put your sword away. Don't you think I could call on 12 legions of angels and they would come here? Don't you think I could assert my rights as the creator and sustainer of the universe? But he doesn't. He doesn't exercise his rights. Later on in his life, Paul writes a letter back to this church that he had started in Philippi. It's the book of Philippians in the New Testament. And in Philippians 2, verse 6, Paul says, Jesus 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus was God with all of the rights and privileges associated with being God, but he didn't consider those rights something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he gave up his rights, submitting himself to the death of a criminal, taking our place. Jesus gave up his rights for your good instead of using his rights for his own good. Listen, whatever rights we think we have, whatever we think we deserve, the reality is that each one of us deserves what Jesus got. We have turned our backs on God. We confessed our sin together because that's the reality. All of us deserve the death that Jesus took. So think about that. When you, when you next time want to assert your rights, that's what you deserve by right. Jesus took what you deserve by right and what I deserve by right, and he laid down his rights in order to do it so that you and I might have life. He loved you and considered your life more precious than his own. So he let go of his rights to die in your place. You know, maybe you've been living as if it's, it's your job to set everything right in your life. Maybe you've been consumed with, with some hurt that has been done to you and you just, you can't let it go because you, you, you deserve better. And maybe you do, but you have one who laid down all of his rights to take upon himself the punishment you and I deserve and to give you what you do not deserve, the free gift of life. Jesus calls us to lay down our rights, to admit that getting what we deserve was never going to work out well for us and find life in him who gave up his rights in order to give us life. See, that's what Paul had done. That's what he had done when he met God on the road to Emmaus. And that's why at times he's ambivalent about claiming his rights as a Roman citizen. He, he looked beyond what was good and right for him and trusted himself to God's care, trusted the life that he had in Jesus. If Paul had walked out of those doors after God had opened them, which he had every right to do, his imprisonment was illegal, he would have left his new brother in Christ exposed to accusations of neglect, the jailer. Because of what Jesus had done for Paul, because Paul found life in Jesus, he was able to lay aside his rights for the sake of others. The next time you have an argument with someone, think about that. Why do you need to be right? Really, why do you need to be right in that argument? Is it because you, you really care about the person you're arguing with and you, and you don't want to see them led into error? Honestly? I mean, if that's you, great, good for you. But I know it's not me. I want to win the argument. I want to be proved right because I'm right. Because I know I'm right. I want to be proven right because I'm right. But you know what? So what if I am? So what if you are right? 
Can we lay that down? Can we lay down being right for the sake of someone else, for their life? Is it okay for you not to be proven right? Well, if you're living life on your own terms as the master of your own rightness, if you're trusting yourself to be right, then no, you can't let it go, ever, because you have to be right every single time. But if you're trusting Jesus for life, if you're trusting him to be right for you, to give you his rightness, then you can let it go. You can lay down your need to be proven right because in Jesus, God has declared you right once and for all. And your life is no longer about you and your rights. It's about Jesus and his grace. Now, as, as we, we mentioned, as I mentioned, as we read in, in, in the passage, Paul does uh, that morning, later that morning, assert his rights as a Roman citizen. He says, what, they want to send us away without even coming down here? No, we're Roman citizens. Let them come down here and, you know, apologize, send us out face to face. Um, why is it that, that now Paul decides to take up his rights? I mean, it seems kind of, I mean, he's already been beaten and thrown in prison and then released. Like, wh- why assert his rights now? Why, why, why even mention it at this point? Well, the fact that Paul and Silas were, were Roman citizens would have put the magistrates in a really bad spot. Um, there, were, there were two magistrates uh, in the colony of Philippi that were appointed directly by Rome. And they were, they were answerable to Rome for their rule of the city. If Rome found out that these guys had beaten and imprisoned Roman citizens without trial, they would have certainly lost their jobs and probably been killed because of their, uh, their, their ineffectiveness uh, and, and neglect as rulers. And so Paul, by claiming his rights when he does, he puts the rulers in a really tight spot. He basically puts them in his debt because now all Paul has to do is send word to Rome that these guys have imprisoned and wrongly beat him and they're in big trouble. And so when they ask him nicely to leave the city, uh, he does, but first he goes and spends time with the church. He goes back to Lydia's house where the church meets and he spent time encouraging them. The new church was the priority for Paul and I think that's why he asserts his rights when he does. The magistrates now owe him one and it's in their personal interest to make sure that Paul's friends, Paul's church uh, is, is kept safe and, and watched over. Uh, and so Paul uses the debt that these magistrates now owe him, not for his own sake, but for the sake of his church, to benefit his church. He takes up his own rights for the sake of others. And again, that's reflective of what Paul saw Jesus doing. Later on in the letter to Philippians, in chapter 2, verse, 10, verse 9, he says, after Jesus laid down all his rights, therefore God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And later on, Paul says that Jesus rules over all things for the sake of the church. Jesus took up his rights again as the Son of God, as the ruler of all. He takes up his rights and he doesn't use them for his own sake, but for the sake of his church, for us. What if, as we lay down our rights and find life in Jesus, we, we also take up our rights again in service to others? Uh, what if, as parents, we stop using our right to discipline our children as a way to take care of our anger or get our kids to fall in line so life is a little bit easier for us? What if we stop using that right to discipline for our own sake and instead use it, that right to discipline, to show our children that both they and we need forgiveness from God? What if instead of looking at our rights as Americans, the freedoms, the, the safety, the economic uh, rights that we have, and asking, how can I best use those things to get ahead in life, to get the job I really want, to be prosperous, to, to have the, the style of life that I want, and the fulfilling opportunities? What if, what if instead we view all of those good things, all of those rights that we have as a chance to serve those around us, to live a life as a follower of Jesus in whatever job or education setting or whatever else we end up in. See, that's why you all here at City Church, you use your influence in the neighborhood not to seek a name for yourselves, not to, uh, not to exalt City Church, but uh, you use that influence, uh, the gifts in, your, in yourself, to better the lives of your neighborhood to serve those around you. You use your rights in service to others. See, Jesus doesn't call us to never have rights or to never use them. Uh, As Paul left Philippi, it was important to him not to be vindicated in the eyes of the magistrates, but to use his rights for the sake of the church. When we're on that soccer field, um, we don't go out there expecting to be slide-tackled from behind, you know, legs broken, uh, you know, chaos, right? We go out there expecting the rules to be upheld, and we, we, we play by the rules, but we do it knowing that I'm not the most important person on that field. I'm not playing that game for me when I remember correctly. Sometimes I get a bit wrapped up in it, and, like, all I can think about is, like, you know, If I don't score a goal, who's going to remember I played this game? But in my better moments, in our better moments as a team, we know that we aren't there. We play by the rules, not for our own sake. And that became really clear to us last year. Uh, We got an email from one of the girls on another team that we played against. And she said, hey, I heard some of you guys are are followers of Jesus. I I was wondering if I could come check out, you know, your, your church, your group. And she Uh, she began attending our our young adults group. Um, That wouldn't have happened if we spent the whole time obnoxiously trying to defend our rights, Uh, uh, you know, yelling at the referees and, and, you know, getting angry at the other players all the time. But we played by the rules. We took up our rights for the sake of those we played with. 
It's very interesting to me that the end of Acts 16, Acts 16 uh, ends with these words. It says, they encouraged them and departed. In the end, Paul does leave. He does what the magistrates asked. I think if that was me, I would have said, um, you know, no, let's like go to court. I want a public apology, maybe damages for my pain. But Paul doesn't do that. Uh, he, he does what they ask in the end um, because it's not about him. He takes up his rights only so far as it benefits the church, and then he moves on, knowing that there are more important things than whether he has been treated fairly. There are more important things than whether his name is, is uh, sort of justified in the eyes uh, of the city. There are more cities with more people who need to be invited to lay down their rights and find life in Jesus. Paul has heard the call from Jesus that goes out to each one of us. Lay down your rights and find life in Jesus. And then take up your rights again and use them for the sake of others. Let's pray.